I wonder for how many of us, well, I don't have to wonder, I heard you clapping and standing. Those very words resonate. I'm out of options. I'm tired. I don't even know where the next step leads. Take me to the king. This is all I have. This is, this is all that I am, and I will bring it. That's a different sermon, isn't it? So we're going to go back. But I want you to know in that song, those, in those words, the story. And, and I want to talk to you about stories today because we heard a number of stories. Go tell it on the mountain. What are you going to tell? I'm going to tell my story, my story that is uniquely mine. Take me to the king. That's another story. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. I want you. Um, and, and so I came to this sermon looking for a story. You know, that passage that John read is the only passage about the Magi. It's 12 verses. It's found in the second chapter of Matthew 1 through 12. They come, they praise, they bring gifts, they outfox the king, they go back the other way. End of story. We never hear from them again, before or after. We don't know anything about them. And for me, that's a problem. I think it's a problem because I'm a person of African descent born in the United States. My stories, as much as I appreciate the work of Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movements, my stories, the stories that are my history, didn't start in the middle 50s, in this country or outside of this country. They didn't start with Nelson Mandela. They didn't start with Dr. Martin Luther King. So during Kwanzaa, I am, oh, I am hungry, starving, thirsty to hear the stories of our ancestors. I'm so grateful. I came to the Kwanzaa service that was here and was so grateful to hear some of the stories that were shared during that evening and to be able to commune and spend time and call on the answers and, and practice some rituals that although they're very new, resonated with who I am. So when I came to the story, I wanted to know more about these guys. And I'm going to say guys because as you heard in the reading, everything was about son and father. And I thought about inclusifying it, and the other piece was, do I honor their story by letting it be read the way it was offered? And that was my choice. So. I know for me as a person whose gender may or may not be lifted up or even recognized, I, I, I sometimes have issues with that. But again, that's another sermon. So we're going to get to, but we're going to get to the one that we're going to have today. Obviously, I got a lot of them. Says, but these characters, these central characters of intrigue, you know, that did all of this, what is their story? What made them who they were? What brought them on this journey from the Far East here? That's the question that we want to look at today. Will you join me in prayer? Creator God, sometimes it seems that we're plopped right down in the middle of life. God, that we're unprepared and we're unaware of the opportunities and the blessings the challenges and the fears that are before us. Help us to be open to what our history has to tell us. God, to how our faith can lead us 
and how your direction can empower us for our lives. Remind us that you are always with us, no matter where we go. We ask all blessings in this service that they glorify and that they honor you. That these words, that these songs, that our prayers, that everything that happens magnify your name. And it is in your many names that we pray. Amen. Um, when Gary came in before the first service this morning, he said, where did this reading come from? <laughs> he said, it's a little strange. And he looked at, at uh, Reverend Michael and Reverend Kristen, and I was like, oh, good, I got to be the reason for that. So, but it's a story. So I want to share more of the story as I talk about who were these guys with you. And I hope you'll indulge me just for a moment. From the land of Sheer, there was a, a, a group of people. The group of people found, believed that they were descendants of Seth, the third son of Adam. Seth was known to be the most pious and virtuous son of Adam. And Adam, when, as, as Seth was growing up, Adam told him the story of a, a prophecy, of a star that would come and bring God in human form to humanity. Seth, wanting to honor that, chose to, to develop rituals to develop practices that would remind him of what his father had told him. But his father didn't just tell him that. You know, my, the first sermon I preached was about Adam and Eve, and I said, you know, had I been Adam, I'd have never told anybody about the Garden of Eden. I'd have never told them that I was there and I got kicked out and it was my fault. <laughs> so I read the story about Adam telling his son Seth about this. Nobody would have known. Eve wasn't going to tell nobody. The seven wasn't going to tell nobody where to been gone. Adam wasn't like that. See, Adam brought his whole self, his uniquely genuine, flawed self, in, every, in what he did in teaching his son how to be in true relationship with himself, with others, and with God. So when he told Seth this story, he told him about this star that's going to shine used to hang above the tree of life. It used to hover above the tree of life in the Garden of Eden until I sinned. And then it vanished. Said, but it's going to come back again. And I want you to teach your sons, as Gary read, and your son's sons to watch for that star. So that's what our story, that's what our story in the revelation of the Magi that we read today. So we come upon the day when we're practicing what Seth had told us to do. Seth informed generation after generation after generation to go up to the mountain of victory and to go to the cave of the treasures of, of, of hidden mysteries and to bow down on your knees and pray. Now before you do that, you go in and you cleanse yourself at the end of the month and then three days into the month, four, three or four days, then you, um, then you pray after you've cleansed yourself. Magi in the language from the, for the people of Sheer meant silent prayer. So not only did they pray, but they prayed in absolute silence. So today, this is where we find the story, is they're actually doing that. And guess what happens? The star shows up. 
Have you ever been at a place in your life where you've been doing things because you were supposed to do them or because somebody told you that if you did them, X would happen or Y would happen? And then the star shows up? (laughs) Yes, Lord. Um, What do we do? Well, that's further out in the story. What do we do when the star shows up? And what these general, what these, the Magi did was, as the star showed up, it hovered over the mountain, and then it moved to the entrance to the cave, and it invited the Magi to come into the cave. And as they came into the cave, the light dimmed a little bit, and you saw a small image of a human being. And the, and the image spoke to them and said, today's the day. The prophecy is coming to pass beginning today. I want you to follow me to Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really planning on uh, the star coming. I did this because my father did. I did it because that's what church people do. I did it Well, I don't even know why I did it, but I surely didn't mean for this to happen. I got family. I got a job. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for me? I got a life. Oh, my goodness. What if people know? I'm just speculating now because the Magi came down the mountain and they started telling each other about what they had seen within the mountain. They told each other, but they told each other different stories. One told them about a vision of a baby standing or a baby laying. One told of a vision of a young child in a temple. Another told a vision of a man, and in the background there was a cross. But they had all seen it at the same time, in the same place. So, amazingly, this trip happens, and they make it to Jerusalem, and... The story that John read is very similar to the story that's in the, the Revelation of the Magi about the meeting with Herod. And so we're not going to do a lot on that um, because that's a story we usually tell. So after the meeting with Herod, they're directed to another cave. This cave is in Bethlehem. As the, the star hovered over the cave again, It entered into the cave, the the light diminished. And this time, again, a baby, an infant appeared. But the infant spoke to them and said, this is it. We're here. God's salvation is right here. I'm pretty sure, and I'm speculating again, that the Magi looked around, said, what do you mean we're here? The only people here are us. We just came miles from our own land, led by the same star which was in our land. Why did we have to come all the way here? It's just us. I imagine they were a little exasperated. I could be wrong. A little frustrated. Although they had been, provisions had been made every step of the way for them. They had been taken from what they knew or what they believed they knew about themselves to a new place 
where people looked at him like, mm, you don't belong here. Mm, you dress funny. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that you two shouldn't be holding hands. I imagine there was a little exasperation, a little, as they prepared to leave the cave. And as they walked out the cave, they saw a woman, a man, and a newborn baby. And they knew instantly who the baby was. They began in their excitement to worship and to praise and to prostrate and to bow in front of the baby. And Mary and Joseph were a little taken aback because they had heard that the king was after this baby. They knew that perhaps their lives weren't, their lives were in jeopardy. So after the Magi had assured them, no, that's not why we came. We didn't come to take the baby, we came to praise the king because we heard, even in our far off land, that he would be born, and we were guided by the star. We've been doing this for generation after generation after generation. Century for century, we've been looking for this baby, and we've been blessed to come here. I never thought that I would see it. You know, I never thought that I would see a day when 18 states in the District of Columbia would invite us to walk into their halls and join hands in marriage. I never expected to see a day when Nelson Mandela and Barack Obama would leave their countries after people had been marching and standing in the streets and had been, had, had been the victims of violence that the law had said, it's okay. I never expected, and we never expected when we started, that when this denomination started with 12 people in the living room of our founder, that it would be a worldwide movement, not only touching LGBT people, LGBT people, but oppressed people all over the world. We never imagined. What kind of people do that kind of thing? a faithful people, a people who can see, have a vision, whether they can see exactly what it looks like or not, are willing to open themselves up to that vision. I think about um, what it means to be open to that vision as I talked about these faithful, prepared people. Last week, Reverend Gibbs talked about doing our soul work. And I imagine the Magi did their soul work. It wasn't just about going and doing it, doing it because we had to do it. It was about there was something in it that touched who they were at the time. You know, there was a time, Reverend Michael said that we met in 2006, but somehow there were people, there were stars out there, not quite as bright, there was star, but there were stars out there that were saying, I'm calling you into ministry. I'm calling you into a fuller life. I'm calling you into knowing yourself more fully. And I just go, nah, you ain't talking to me. <laughs> you see, I come from a family of preachers. 
all men. But that's all right. That's okay. Because the women preach better than the men do. They're just not ordained. <laughs> but I come from a family of preachers, so it's what we do. It's the family business. It's, ministry is how we do our lives. So I'm like, yeah, I know why you think that, but you're wrong. Mm, guess how surprised I was when my whole life, I, would go, I still couldn't get away from the church. You know, I spent a lot of time outside the church, and when I went back to the church, it was like I had never left. It was like them going in silence and kneeling right there. It was in my DNA. Now, I'm not saying being a minister is in your DNA. If it is, come on. There are worse things you can do in life, but I'm saying there is something in your DNA. There is something that is that star within you, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So I started pursuing what it would look like to do ministry. And I was, it felt like I was going through the motions sometimes, particularly my second year of <laughs> seminary, which was, was the toughest year for me. It felt like I was going through the motions, and I did not see the end. I didn't know where I was going, but I just kept going. In the middle of your second year, you go on a cross-cultural experience, and my cross-cultural team went to Egypt. If you ever get a chance to go to Egypt, I highly encourage it. Maybe not right now, but as it gets a little bit safer, I, I, I really encourage it, because you get the history of Egypt, the Egyptian history, you get the biblical history, because there's a significant amount of that there, and you get the Egyptian culture, which is incredible, which is phenomenal. But as we got there, um, and we went to these different places, and we went to Mount Sinai, which is on the Sinai Peninsula, where Moses was supposed to have received the, the um, where Moses received the Ten Commandments and the burning bush and all of that. And then we went to places where Peter and Paul were supposed to have been in Egypt. But we came to a small church in Old Cairo called, uh, well, the the hanging church is the big structure, but within there, there are many little churches. And at this particular little church, there's one called Abasega. And as we went into the church, there was something different about it. And everybody that went in there talked about how different it was. And as we heard the history of the church, that's where the Holy Family stayed when they fled from Judah, when they fled from Herod. Supposedly, in a cave, that was sealed off, you couldn't go down into it. The church had been built on top of it. And there was a spirit that was in that place that I had never experienced before. And I don't know that I'll ever experience again. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's exactly, at that, well, Jesus had walked a lot of places, but I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he had been in that particular space. And it changed the way I believed. I pray, if you haven't, and, and I believe we all have star moments in our lives, if you haven't experienced it yet, I pray each and every one of you. Because it changed the way I could be a faithful, prepared follower of Christ. Now, the star made sense because it had become illuminated within me. I knew it was real for myself. Other people had their own stories, and it was illuminated for them. I knew that the path that I was on, that God had called me to, was truly the path for me. It wasn't about my family. It wasn't about the business. It was about what God was doing in my own life. 
a called out people, a called to action people is the third thing that I want to lift. And I want to read from Isaiah. And this is the scripture that when Jesus entered the temple as a young boy and rolled out the scroll, he said, the spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, 2014 is, believe it or not, is the year of the Lord's favor. Let it be so in your life. When the Magi got back to their homeland, their families, their kinspeople and their families met them as they were coming in because they were eager to hear these stories. And as they told the stories, they told them about what had happened to them. And when they finished the story, they said to them, you know, but it's not just for me, it can be for you. It's in you. The reason we know that is because everywhere we go, that star, that star exists. The star can be in you. The star is in you. The star is part of who you are, can guide you. It can move you from that place of need to that place of abundance. And I ain't talking about prosperity. I'm talking about within your heart how you know yourself to be blessed. It can move you from that space. How do I know that? Well, we ain't got time for that because the red light's on. But I want you to know when that star appears in your life, whether it's in your brother or your sister's need, whether it, wherever you see it and you'll recognize it, take a step and then take that next step. You don't have to know where the star is going to end up. God has already promised that, he, that God will meet you right there, that God in human form. So it may be in your sister. It may be in your brother. It may be you find within yourself like the Magi did in that particular cave. It may be within yourself. But when that star appears for you in 2014, be open to receiving it. That is my prayer and my desire for you this day. God bless you.